This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's your New Year's resolution? Maybe it's to finally get in shape, learn a new language, an instrument. Here's one for you. How about a new car? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's up. Back again, it's Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister in the guest co-host chair at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in Spotify and SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I'm right for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, USC wide receivers coach Kerry Colbert. Talking to little Lane Kiffin. He knows him about as well as anybody. They go way back. I think Lane gave him his first job at USC and then on to Alabama. So, Kerry Colbert coming up in about 10, 15 minutes. But first, Colin, what's up, man? Not much, not much. Yeah, it's uh, it just feels like uh, the Lane Kiffin mania it doesn't go away for Ole Miss fans. So, uh, we just keep adding to it. Doesn't help that Ole Miss basketball is struggling. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to mention that too much. They played without Brian Tyree, Hadim C., on Tuesday at Florida, lost. They're 0 for 3 in the SEC. They lost four straight. It's not looking good. Nope. It is a team that uh, it's going to be playing on Wednesday at the SEC tournament and uh, probably going to be its last game of the season. I think, as crazy as it might sound, almost needed a game like Tuesday without Brian and to a lesser extent, Hadim C. Because there's no reason to discuss the NCAA tournament right now. There wasn't no. a reason to discuss the NCAA tournament a week ago, if not longer. Ole Miss entered Tuesday, number 99 in the NCAA net rankings. They've dug themselves such a hole, it's going to be nearly impossible to dig out of it. They could, but they've shown no propensity or ability to generate momentum and put an extended winning streak together. So until they do, if such a run is even possible for this team at this point, the remainder of the season, in my mind, should be viewed through the lens of development. Tyree's gone in three months, and I'm not convinced, and I said this, I think, on Tuesday, that Ole Miss is currently constructed 
won't be better off without him. He doesn't make players better. When he isn't making shots, he's not engaged defensively. Guys like Curry, Franco Miller, Austin Crowley, Sammy Hunter, they need to play. And the only way they do play is if Brian Tyree, Hadim C. aren't there. And Hadim C., that's a more complicated matter entirely. But not having Brian, I think, allowed for guys like Blake Kinson, K.J. Buffin to be more aggressive, to be more aggressive on the floor offensively and defensively, and they needed that. Yeah, let's just call it what it is, that Kermit Davis is evaluating all these guys because if he's wanting to sign any more players, that means somebody else has got to go. Um, so ample opportunity to look at these guys in game action before you send them on their merry way. And uh, you're right, they're not going to get that opportunity with Brian and Hadeem C you know, readily available. So it's funny, Carlos Curry, we talked a lot about you know not being able to, to stay on the floor and you know help this team. He actually played pretty well in his limited opportunity the other night. Well, offensively, defensively, he was terrible. Well, sure, but, I mean, that's just going to be the case. He rebounded the ball better than Sammy Hunter. Kermit Davis said after the game against Florida that they're going to start playing Carlos over Sammy because Sammy, quote, won't rebound the ball. And it has to do with physicality and being out of position. Carlos was at least in position defensively. Completely different story. Offensively, flashed a little bit, but Carlos Curry is one of those obvious guys that's being evaluated. You mentioned it. Ole Miss is without a scholarship to give in the spring. But make no mistake, they're going to add to the roster. Kermit Davis is out there every single week looking at the grad transfer market, the high school market. He wants to add toughness to his roster. I don't think they're going to go after any JUCOs just because there aren't any impact JUCOs out there for Ole Miss right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if he adds one or two guys from the grad transfer market. They're going to add two, maybe three, but you got to open up spots. So Carlos Curry's got to play. Franco Miller's got to play. You have to see what you have. We'll see how it works out. But Ole Miss basketball, can't really talk too much about that right now. In football news, Ole Miss football announced on Wednesday four new staff members for the strength and conditioning staff. Lance Ancar, Jaworski Beckham, K.J. Florence, Corey Miller have all joined the staff under the direction of head football strength and conditioning coach Wilson Love. Now all that's left, really, is two more on-field coaches, and that will be settled Maybe this week, maybe the next couple of weeks, maybe March. There's no rush for Lane Kiffin because this weekend starts back up official visits. Those guys aren't going to impact Ole Miss recruiting right now. You got to get those hires right. The guys currently on campus, the Lane Kiffins, Derek Nix, Jeff Levy, Chris Partridge, DJ Durkin, those are the guys that are going to finish off this class, not the guys that Lane Kiffin could go get to fill out the rest of his class. Look, it's two positions with uh, defensive line, defensive backs that Kiffin's hiring for. And you know, you don't make those hires based off uh, the recruiting calendar that's turned into the first February of this year. So I think you maybe see one of those positions gets filled before February. And I think the other one, probably like you uh, alluded to, probably rolls into March. I don't, Lane's not going to be in any rush. We've seen that. He did not make hires based off uh, this recruiting calendar because that's not how you run your football program. You don't make, you know, hires off of one recruiting class. And uh, to Kiffin's everlasting credit, he's not done that. One thing we know is Lane Kiffin is not going to leave any stone unturned in terms of building his roster. One name that everybody's paying attention to right now is De'Eric King, transfer quarterback from Houston. He's not coming to Ole Miss. He's probably going to LSU, Oklahoma. I think he's got eyes for bigger fish right now. He's not going to Arkansas. But on ESPN's College Football Live on Tuesday, analyst Emmanuel Acho was talking about his options, and he mentioned Ole Miss. Jeff Levy connection, he's the brother-in-law of Kendall Bryles. King had his most successful years under Kendall Bryles at Houston. So maybe there's a connection there. It brought up an interesting point in my brain in terms of how far off is really Ole Miss football from being a contender? Not from being a necessarily national championship contender, so much as 
getting back into that conversation to where they can put one year together to win the SEC West. Say they did land a guy the caliber of De'Aaron King to come in and be a transfer quarterback. Well, immediately you're going to lose one of Matt Corral or Grant Tisdell after the spring. John Rice Plumley, he's not going anywhere. But when you start to piece out together the team and think about it, John Rice Plumley reminds me of Percy Harvin. Now, I have contended that give him a chance at quarterback under Lane Kiffin, don't write him off, and I still contend that he can be a capable quarterback in the SEC. He's already dynamic as a running back. But if you look at his skill set, he's very much Percy Harvin to where you can move him all over the field. You can maybe put him at wildcat quarterback, wide receiver, running back, wherever you need him to take advantage of what he does well, and that's run the football better than almost anybody. He's an elite running back. Jerrion Ely, same thing. If De'Eric King were to come to Ole Miss, he's not. But if he did, how far off would Ole Miss really be? Matt Rule's not at Baylor anymore. Baylor's now a toss-up to me. They've had some guys leave for the NFL draft. Ole Miss could be sneaky good and in a sneaky good position to make a case for being in the top half, at least, of the SEC West. Ole Miss has made runs before simply because they had an elite quarterback. I mean, you you look at guys like Chad Kelly and Eli, obviously. Um, So quarterback, obviously, having an elite elite one can bolster your program. I think Ole Miss's defense is maybe a little bit behind where those two guys' defense was. Um, That's not to say the defense hasn't gotten better. It certainly has. Uh, Last year was a a great improvement. I think this team, if you had a guy like De'Eric King, um, is a top three to four SEC West team. I just kind of have a hard time believing that, uh, you know, they, they'd be able to go in uh, and compete in Baton Rouge or beat Alabama and bought Hemingway. But I think it's a seven to eight win football team for sure, rather than one that you're probably hoping that can get to bowl eligibility next year. LSU is going to look completely different next year. With Derek King at quarterback, they'll keep rolling. Not necessarily like they did this year. This year, they were historically good. But how far off is Ole Miss really? Well, defensively, they return a lot, but they lost a lot on the front end of their defense, along the defensive line. Losing Benito, I think, is going to be one of the biggest losses for Ole Miss football. Offensively, they return pretty much everybody, save for a tight end. But tight end of all positions on offense is probably the easiest to fill with a body. No one knew who Dawson Knox was when Evan Ingram left and Dawson Knox steps in. That's a former walk-on. You can find talent at tight end pretty much anywhere. You can go to the JUCO market and find a serviceable tight end. I'm not worried about tight end so much as if Ole Miss didn't have a quarterback or a running back or an offensive line. Alex Givens is no longer here. But that offensive line returns pretty much everybody else. They have a chance to be competitive day one under Lane Kiffin. If you believe that Lane Kiffin is a drastic improvement over Matt Luke, which you and I do and everybody does, Lane Kiffin mentioned the talent currently on campus as a reason why Ole Miss was so appealing to him. Why not? Why not Ole Miss is a potential sneaky good contender, if not next year, the year after the year after? We all expect the recruiting to keep rolling along. Now, this is going to be a transition class, but Lane Kiffin's going to be a good recruiter. I don't know if Ole Miss is all that far off. The schedule is tough, but how tough is it? What is Baylor going to be? I don't know. You're not going to beat Alabama at home, but two is not there. Who scares you on Alabama at quarterback? Now, they got skill positions out the wazoo. But at quarterback, how scared are you of Alabama? And that's crazy to say, but Ole Miss isn't going to get beat 60-7 to by Alabama in 2020. No, and look, Alabama returns guys, you know, Najee Harris, I expect him to be back. No, but I, I think Ole Miss is a 14-17 to point loss rather than a 35-point loss to Alabama this year. If you want to tell me that they're ways off from being able to win the SEC West, I would certainly agree with you there. 
Um, but I don't, people don't realize how bad the program was that Hugh Freeze inherited. And Hugh Freeze was competitive with just about everyone in year one. So it doesn't take a whole lot if you've got the right coach in place that knows what he's doing to be able to get you back to competing uh, with teams to win football games in this league. Which brings me back to quarterback. Not necessarily De'Eric King, but it makes sense why Ole Miss would be an option for any transfer quarterback. Sure, you've got talent on campus. Matt Corral, John Rice, Plumley, Grant Tisdale. But look at what happened under Hugh Freeze in year one. That roster was terrible. But Bo Wallace came in, the five up front, including Emmanuel McCray at left tackle and his terrible knees all year starting. The same five started all year. Now, that never happens. It's a lot of luck involved there. But there wasn't a Laquan Treadwell already on campus at wide receiver. There was Dante. But Ole Miss has better talent than that team did right now. And you expect the roster to be supplemented by two recruiting classes, one in December and one in February. I'm just fascinated to see what areas Lane Kiffin targets for veterans. You know Titan's probably going to be one. Quarterback could be one, too. They'll go after a pass rusher, most likely. They need some defensive linemen. They're going to run a base 4 3 four, two, five, probably. Maybe some 3-4 concepts. We don't know exactly. DJ Durkin has been multiple his entire career. Basically, your entire personnel groupings are based on what you have on campus. And almost doesn't have a lot up front. Linebackers, they're pretty well stocked. We've always talked about the linebackers being the weak spot of Ole Miss's football roster, but this year, they have some bodies there. Absolutely. Momo Sanogo. I, I think people forget about him just because of, you know, he missed 10 games last year. Obviously, gets hurt in the Arkansas game. Uh, I thought he was playing pretty well against Memphis and Arkansas. I thought Jock Jones had a pretty good season. Um, it looks like Kevontae Ruggs is going to be an option to to come back to Ole Miss. That's wild. It, yeah, yeah, especially how that ended, but I'm sure Blaine has has done due diligence if that's the case, but uh, I thought he was actually a pretty good player at times his freshman year. Everybody does due diligence when it comes to talent. They're not going to turn down (laughs) talent. If Kevontae Ruggs wants to come back and he can help you, Nick Saban made a career out of second chances for good players. In any other walk of life, a lot of the stuff some of these kids do wouldn't get you another opportunity in that same field. In college football, of course it should. And if he can help you win, you bring him back. I don't know if he's coming back for sure, but at least it looks that way. I don't pay attention to Twitter all that much, but Lane Kiffin and Kevontae Ruggs' mom kind of been talking or something. They follow each other. Kevontae Ruggs tweets out a picture of him in his Ole Miss uniform. Kevontae Ruggs could potentially help you. Linebacker, I'm not worried about. Defensive back, there's a little bit of an issue there. I still think there's enough defensively to where you can hang on. And if you believe in DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge – because Mike McIntyre did a good job, but these guys together are an improvement. I like Mike McIntyre. I think he's a hell of a defensive coordinator. But these two guys together are an improvement. They're really not that far off because you're right. I mean, the Hugh Freeze formula in year one, that's what works. You get a quarterback. First and foremost, get your quarterback. Yes. you got to have some health luck, obviously. And then some guys that are untapped potential step up and play well. And that comes from coaching and development. And everyone and their mother believes that Lane Kiffin and this staff is better than the staff that just left. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. More on this in just a second. Also got USC wide receivers coach, former player under Lane Kiffin, Kerry Colbert, coming up in about 10 minutes. Briefly, let me tell you about Impact by Ironwood and Sola, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around. 
and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolmiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500. Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the at MS on all platforms. Sola in Oxford, on the Oxford Square. Ole Miss won four games last year. Should have won at least six. Should have been bowl eligible. Yeah. If you believe that, then why can't Ole Miss be a 7-8 win team next year? If you believe that Lane Kiffin is that kind of difference maker, because when you look at the roster, where you need to have good players, you do. And then the rest of it is filled out through good recruiting, and everyone believes in Lane Kiffin as a recruiter, including Kerry Colbert, who's coming up in a second. I think you hit the nail on the head. Look, John Rice Plumley or Matt Corral, I think one of those two are going to be your quarterback next year. And frankly, if, if one of those two aren't good, then uh, I don't think Ole Miss plays in a bowl game. But if one of those two – look, most of those guys, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, were four-star kids. If one of those kids reaches their potential, Ole Miss got a shot to do something next year and then build on something going into 2021. So I think Lane does a good job with quarterbacks. He's one with Blake Sims and Jake Coker. Um, so I, I, I trust that he can get something out of out of Plumlee or Corral, one or the other. David Johnson reported on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, the website that I write for an affiliate of 247 Sports, that spring football won't start until after spring break, which I like. For the last handful of years, Ole Miss would start spring football take a nine-day yeah. break for spring break, and then come back and finish spring practices. Disjointed, discombobulated, it makes sense to just start them after spring football. I like that. Yeah, I do too. They did the – and I know people kind of make fun of it at times. They did the Haiti trip thing during the middle of spring practice when Freeze was there, and it kind of just caught on uh, where they worked around spring break. Um, but it feels like Lane just wants to have three straight weeks of practice and end with the Grove Bowl. And, the Grove Bowl has always been funny to me because they never have the numbers to actually play a game. So I'm curious if they actually have the numbers to play a game this year. I hope he brings back an actual scrimmage. Yeah, the offense-defense thing got boring. There's no real way to dress up the ugly pig that is spring football scrimmages. No. The final scrimmage. You can at least entertain your fans that are there. <laughs> Even if it's only like a skills competition. Maybe you do some basic practice stuff the final day of practices and then do a skill competition. There's got to be a way to dress it up, but I think everybody would like to see at least a shell of what Ole Miss is going to look like. 
I'm fascinated how they handle on Grove Bowl Saturday. If John Rice Plumley is actually a contributor on the baseball team, he's playing against Vanderbilt and in the Grove Bowl that day, or how that is, how that's going to work. I'm, I mean, I, I look, I know they're going to work it out, but I, I'm just interested from a logistic standpoint how they handle it. They'll work it out. <laughs> work yeah, out. I, know, I know. Is he going to do both? That's kind of fascinating. He's going to do both, but what kind of role is he going to be playing at that point for Ole Miss baseball? Right. I don't think he's going to be a starter. Now, I know that the Ole Miss baseball coaches love John Rice Plumley and love Jerry on Ely, but they can get by with Cade Sammons in center field. He had a minor surgery. He's going to be fine. He's the leader in the clubhouse to start in center field. Cade Sammons in center. Hayden Leatherwood's going to man a corner. You say Peyton Chatagnier is currently the starter in left field, according to Mike Bianco. We'll see if that sticks. Justin Mitch, there's a lot to sort out. If you told me that John Rice Plumley, like every other player, and Jerry Ely, like every other freshman, takes some time to adjust and isn't an instant impact guy in year one, okay, Thomas Dillard wasn't good in year one. Greg Kessinger no. wasn't good in year one. Now, next year is going to be more of a problem. This year, I don't buy that it'll be that much of a problem. Next year, if John Rice Plumley is the quarterback, if Jerry Ely is the running back, they're going into their junior seasons. Spring football doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, especially with a, a year under that offense. I mean, it, it kind of really doesn't. I would argue, and, and you might disagree here, if John Rice Plumley and Jerry Neely are starting for Ole Miss baseball extremely early in their careers, that's bad. Probably not. It's not going well. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. In the secondary, Ole Miss has Jonathan Haynes back, who I think is going to be better. On the defensive line, Brandon Mack, I think he could be a breakout candidate. Ladarius Cox could be a breakout candidate. I thought Sam played pretty good, and I wonder what they'll do with him Sam next was year. great, but he was an outside linebacker. Is he defensive end or is he an outside linebacker? That's what I'm interested in with the spring is what they do with him. Sam Williams is the most important player, not named Lakia Henry, on that defense next year. T. Tisdale, Sam Williams at defensive end. K.D. Hill, Ryder Anderson. Sam Williams is your stud, but yeah. he's the only one, and I don't know what he's playing right now. Jacquez Jones is back at inside linebacker. Lakia Henry's back at inside linebacker. Miles Hartsfield is gone. He played safety cornerback. Keydron Smith, I think, had a pretty good year considering he'll be a starter at cornerback. A.J. Finley showed some signs. Ja'Cory Hawkins is back. DeAndre Prince is going to be a starter at cornerback. I think he's got all-league potential. There are some pieces there. Yeah, it's funny we mentioned you know, the secondary, and uh, we think the linebackers are fine in the secondary and defensive lines where they're going to improve on. There are actual warm bodies there in the secondary. I worry about a warm bodies perspective for the defensive line. Yeah, that's the one where they just don't have a lot of numbers. Jalen Jones is back. We forgot about Jalen Jones. Jalen yeah, Jones can play no. corner or safety. Now, he's still step slow. That happens. But remember, Ken Webster was bad his first year back from that devastating knee injury, mm. just like Jalen Jones. But his senior year, pretty dang good. Yeah, he's playing for the Dolphins. Yeah. So Jalen Jones will play. He'll be fine. But man, Josiah Coatney's gone. Austrian Robinson's gone. Benito Jones is gone. Katie Hill, I think, is going to be sneaky good. Played in spots and played well. Benito wasn't dominant in year one. He's got the makeup. He's six foot, like 310 pounds. The defensive line hire is very important. So they need to get that one right for sure because uh, that, that's got a chance to not go well from, look, they don't have a lot of depth there. If you hire the wrong guy, it could that could turn bad on you. Well, as we're recording this, Freddie Roach to the New York Giants isn't officially official. Lane Kiffin is fighting for him. If I'm Freddie Roach, I'm pissed. Like, bro, you could have made my hiring official like a month ago. Now that I want to leave, you, you want to keep me? Like, what's going on here? But why does he have to make it official? You're under contract. I guess that's true. But, I mean, for What are you going to announce that, hey, Freddie Roach is staying under contract? You don't do that. Derek Nix was announced as being retained. You don't do that. Freddie Roach, by all accounts, was under the assumption he was coming back. 
Of course, there was probably a shorter leash. Need to get McKinley Jackson, have a good year. Maybe you thought, I need a contract reset right now because I got one year at Ole Miss, and then my job security comes into question. He does want to go pro. Ultimately, I think he takes it, but it's not officially official. But that's not Lane Kiffin's job to go say, hey, Freddie, we're going to announce you're staying three-year contract extension. You know, you don't do that. He's under contract for like two more years. Why would you do that? Yeah, I understand what you're, where you're coming from, but I guess he could have also told him to kick rocks during the middle of this year, too, if he wanted to. Sure. So I, I guess my point he is— He wouldn't have, it, though. That oh. doesn't happen. But that is important. I think the defensive line coach hire, whether it's Freddie Roach being retained officially or hiring someone else, it does matter. Because Charles Wiley, we still haven't seen Charles Wiley be good. People keep telling me that they believe in him, and, man, I got to see it. Yeah, when has he done anything to give you belief? Yeah. I mean, I get it. He was highly rated kid, and, you know, he's older, but so was Gerard McDowell for a little while there. So we'll see. <laughs> Oh, man, defensive line recruiting. That's the most important thing. DeSanto Rollins, I'm looking at the uh, commitment. Cedric Johnson is a DN. DeSanto Rollins is a D tackle. Not much else. Jack Brown's an outside linebacker. You need McKinley Jackson. They're trying to get the kid out of Temple, too, aren't they? Yes. Quincy Roach is a weak side defensive end out of Temple. 6'4", 235. He's a stud, big time. Can play the 3-4 outside linebacker. Defensive end in a 4-3, 4-2-5. He was the 2019 American Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Year. 13 sacks, 19 tackles for loss, 49 tackles, two forced fumbles. He's probably the best player in the portal. And it's not like Ole Miss isn't going to have competition to go and get that kid. No, absolutely not. He was Temple's, frankly, their best defensive player. So they need warm bodies on that defensive line. That kid seems like a player. So uh, if you're Ole Miss, you need to make sure you land one of him or Jackson. Because, frankly, if you don't, man, that, that defensive line numbers start to get worrisome. If I could give you one position to where Ole Miss could land a grad transfer stud, De'Eric King at quarterback, Ole Miss isn't going to get that kid. But if De'Eric King was an option, quarterback, tight end, defensive line. I'm going quarterback just because I've seen a, a really good quarterback overcome so much. I mean, Chad yeah. Kelly won so many football games just by himself. Um, Jeremiah Masoli in 2010 won four football games when they should have won like zero. So give me the quarterback all day long. And, and you're, I'm not saying that's that belief's accurate, but it's one I hold that, man, I'll, I'll take me a stud quarterback and I'll go out there and let the ball roll. Jeremiah Masoli delayed the inevitable. He extended Houston yes, Nutt's career one year at Ole Miss. They should have won no more than two games the year he came in. One of the most underappreciated and forgotten players in Ole Miss football history. He was so good that he took a terrible team that maybe should have won two games and won four by himself. And damn near won six. Oh, man. He almost won in Baton Rouge that night. Jeremiah Masoli was so good. There's so many teams that I would have loved to seen Jeremiah Masoli quarterback in Ole Miss football team. He'd have been so good under Hugh Freeze. Yeah. He'd have been so good under Rich Rodriguez. He'd be dynamic under Lane Kiffin. You put Masoli on that 14 team. Just crazy. Um, So quarterbacks, you're right. They do make up for a lot of things that you're lacking. That's why if you see Ole Miss as a potential landing spot for De'Aaron King, don't be surprised. That does make a lot of sense. I like the idea of a De'Aaron King. I think Georgia's got a Wake Forest transfer. I think their offense is going to look completely different. Not to say Ole Miss and Georgia's talent are even remotely comparable because they're not. But quarterbacks, they do a lot to cover up your deficiencies. So, yeah, I'd probably go quarterback, too. That Temple transfer, though, the Roach kid, man, he looked great as an Ole Miss Rebel, yeah? Yeah, I mean, he, he's number two just because, man, that defensive line, it's it's scary thin right now, man. And look, 
they don't stay healthy, defensive linemen get injured. So you start talking about getting into depth and whatnot, man, you could be hurting. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Going now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to USC wide receivers coach, all-time Trojan wide receiver great, Kerry Colbert. He knows Lane Kiffin better than anyone. But before we get to him, let me tell you briefly about the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. A new year always brings about change. For you or someone close to you, that change could be finally finding the dream home. Enter the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up north Lamar, blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, Hello at the LamarMS.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. A new year has arrived. 2020 is here, and it's time to assess whether you're using the pharmacy that best fits your needs. For you, the Ole Miss fan, the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman Phone Line is Kerry Colbert, USC wide receivers coach. Played under Lane Kiffin when Lane Kiffin was the wide receivers coach at USC. One of the most decorated Trojans in school history. His 207 career catches were a one-time USC record. Kerry, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, happy to start this new year and and uh, ready to get this uh, second signing day uh, uh, past us. It's a hectic time for every coach out there. I know Ole Miss coach is going through the same thing. Around the 15th, 16th, this is when it kind of kicks back going crazy again, right? Oh, yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, we had a good break and holiday break, and I know everybody's excited to kind of get back into the office and uh, just kind of finish up the last pieces of the of the class and then just kind of move forward into winter conditioning and probably some self-scout uh, things from the last season and then just get ready uh, to start prepping for uh, spring ball. I mean, uh, it seems like a lot of stuff, but, you know, you kind of blink your eye and then spring ball is right in front of you. Well, this is obviously an Ole Miss show, and Lane Kiffin was hired as Ole Miss's head coach. You have a long history with Lane Kiffin. Like I mentioned earlier, he was your position coach, um, hired you actually when he was the OC at Alabama, brought you in to Nick Saban's staff. What are your thoughts about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss and the fit there? Uh, I'm excited for him. I think it's a great opportunity for him um, to 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 get back into that conference and, and uh, you know, to potentially do some big things and you know, he obviously has some uh, some history now in the conference and understands uh, the teams and the coaches and, and some of the players. And, um, you know, I think they did a great job at FAU uh, leading that program and kind of building it up. And 
I know that uh, he has big plans and big intentions on doing the same thing at Ole Miss. You're one of his former players. You know the day-to-day with Lane Kiffin. So for the players now at Ole Miss that are going to experience Lane Kiffin for the first time, what is he like on a practice field on a day-to-day basis? Who is Lane Kiffin? Well, I mean, you know, he's he's been around a lot of great players, and, uh, you know, he's he's a very competitive one, but, you know, uh, he wants to get things done in an efficient manner and, 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 and uh, you know, he's going to hold people accountable to that. And um, I think uh, that's a, that's a sign of a great coach, you know, and he, he doesn't let things uh, slide and kind of just get swept underneath the rug. So, um, I mean, he's going to, uh, he's going to demand a lot out of those players, but at the same time, he's going to, he's going to love them up, love them up too. I mentioned it already. You had a solid career at USC, a great career at USC. What did Lane Kiffin do for you in terms of your development as a wide receiver? Oh, he helped me see the game uh, from the eyes of a quarterback uh, and understanding, you know, uh, uh, where I was supposed to be uh, within the route concept or, um, you know, why, you know, it's important to get a certain depth or why you have to be uh, looking for, you know, a certain coverage and, and, uh, really, you know, he has a background playing quarterback and, and, uh, so for me, you know, that always helped me in the game and it kind of slowed the game down for me, just kind of learning from his perspective. You were a part of the team that won a national championship in 2004. That was a special staff. You've seen Lane from when he first started as an assistant to growing into this head coaching opportunity. How have you seen him grow over the course of the last couple of years? Oh, uh, tremendously. And I think, you know, I think that's a a sign and a, a measure of a, you know, just a quality person, you know, one that is, is always looking to grow and uh, always looking for opportunities to get better. And I think, you know, overall his experiences, I think he's, he's taken the good and the bad from all of them. And, uh, you know, he's, he's continued to let that fuel him and, and uh, continue to let that uh, get him better for whatever opportunity he's in at that time. You're an offensive guy. You've seen how Lane has adapted his offense over the years. How would you describe a Lane Kiffin offense? Um, it's complex. Um, you know, he's he's a very, uh, very, very good and, and smart offensive of mind and play caller. But, you know, um, there's a lot of multiples, whether it's formations, personnel groupings, motions, um, and things of that nature. Uh you know, you're not going to get the same the same presentation uh, every single time. So, you know, uh, I think that's you know one of the best things about how he does things is that um, he's going to dress it up different ways, and and it becomes a chess match a lot of the times. And and uh, you know, you got to do your homework, and um, there's a lot of different multiples that come uh, come with that when you're when you're playing a, a Lane Kiffin offense. Ole Miss certainly has numbers at wide receivers. Some former four-star, five-star wide receivers on campus. They weren't asked to do that much under Richrod last year. Lane Kiffin, he asked a lot of his wide receivers. You know that better than anyone. What does he demand out of wide receivers in his offense? Well, really just it's the details in the position, you know, and uh, being where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And then at the end of the day, it's about making your plays. Um, you know, he's going to do a good job in, in the along with the coordinator and the quarterback coach, of course, of training the quarterback to to find that open receiver, but it's really about the receivers kind of just being at their spots uh, and then at the end of the day making their plays. What does he look for in a quarterback? Uh, Somebody who's obviously football smart and uh, very competitive. Um, You know, I think those are probably the 
the the two things and and you know because he's had a bunch of different quarterbacks and different style quarterbacks over the years um and that's the one thing i think also that he does does very well he can adapt to his personnel and 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 kind of fit it to you know the identity of the offense so um but i think you know smart and tough you know are two two attributes that you know are pretty consistent with uh the players that he's had we mentioned that uh the recruiting calendar is rolling back fast again so lane kiffin in a recruits home Lane Kiffin as a recruiter, how do you see him as a recruiter and what he's able to do in terms of landing talent? Well, I mean, he has great juice and energy. Um, you know, the the recruits and the families are going to fill him as far as his personality. Um, and, you know, there's always two different sides. I mean, there's 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 Lane Kiffin as the, as the coach, and um, he's been around a lot of great players. He's coached a lot of great players. He's coached a lot of great offenses. Uh, I mean, he can show you statistically – the numbers and, and, and all the different plays of all the, the great players and teams that he's been a part of and, and, and kind of show you how that can be in your future if you decide to, to play with him. And then, you know, on the personal side, I mean, um, he's easy to talk to. Um, you know, he has a, he has a, a joking side and he has a serious side. And, and um, you know, I think, you know, people feel that as well. You know, they feel like, oh, man, this is a real – this is a real human being at the end of the day, you know? So um, I think, you know, from those two aspects, um, you know, when he comes in to recruit a, a, a kid in the family, you know, those are, those are the attributes. He just kind of lays it on the line and, and he's, he's himself. Have y'all maintained a relationship? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. We, we, uh, we talk throughout the year and, you know, uh, you know, whether it's football or, um, you know, might see him, might bump into him here and there, you know, sometimes. Uh, but, of course, you know, um, I've been around Lane since I was a, a sophomore in college. And, and, and you know, um, a lot of my success, you know, has come, you know, from uh, being around Coach Kiffin and, and, and the opportunities that he has helped me with or, or the things that he's helped me with. So uh, we definitely uh, maintain a, a relationship over the years. Well, I ask that because he's pretty guarded in interviews and with the media, local, national, doesn't matter. I've heard from countless people, he's so much different behind closed doors. Have you experienced that too? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I can see why people uh, would say that or think that. And, um, you know, I don't think it's a it's a bad thing, but, you know, um, he he's he's seen a lot as a coach and He's been through a lot as a coach and, and dealing with media, being a head coach and being a, a figure. You know, everybody knows the name Lane Kiffin. So um, I think that, you know, it causes for him maybe to to, to just kind of focus on the football side of things. And, and, you know, and I think as he's gotten older and he's grown in the profession, I think he, uh, you know, he's focused on controlling the things that he can control. So, and, you know, not really being worried about maybe narratives that are out there or things that may have happened in the past. So, um, you know, I can see, um, you know, the reason why, you know, people may say, well, he seems different in interviews versus, you know, uh, a personal relationship. So when you first heard Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss, did it surprise you? Not at all, because, uh, you know, I, I figured at some point somebody was going to be knocking on his door because, you know, that's just – He's a, he's a great coach and he has been, and, and, you know, he's done great things 
or he did great things at FAU. So, you know, to me, it wasn't a matter of if, it was just a matter of when somebody was just going to uh, knock on his door. And I know he's probably had other opportunities that he probably turned down, but, you know, there's always that one that is going to be intriguing or, you know, that right that right one. And, you know, I guess he thought that this was the, the, the right opportunity and the right, right fit for him. So uh, I'm excited to, to see, you know, how it goes. I've mentioned this too. He's going to take Ole Miss recruiting back nationally like it was back in 2014, 15, 16. He's got deep-rooted ties in California, Florida. I mean, you've been around him as a recruiter. Um, do you see that as well, taking Ole Miss to a national recruiting level like it used to be? Yeah, again, you know, it all starts, obviously, um, he's the head of the program and, and he he has a, a national name. And, uh, you know, he has uh, experience recruiting all across the country. I mean, when he was at USC, he was the he was the the national recruiter. Meaning, he he went to Florida, he went to New Jersey to sign kids, he went to Tennessee, you know, all all across the state. And now, you know, of course, the last few years he's coasting in the state of Alabama and the state of Florida. So, I mean, he just has ties and connections all over. So, um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they sign kids from from all across the uh, United States and, and have a bunch of different people, you know, on their on their roster from, from different parts of the country. So if you could give one piece of advice to current Ole Miss players about how to quickly endear themselves to a Lane Kiffin team, to Lane Kiffin and his coaching staff, what would it be? What do they need to do on day one to jump right in and hit the ground running? Buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> Just buckle up, man, and, and enjoy the ride. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be fun times. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, he's about winning, but he's about having fun and, and, and doing it the right way. So I think that's one thing that, uh, you know, people can uh, get ready for. I've talked to a number of former players on this show, our mutual friend, Jarrell Poe being one of them. And the transition mm-hmm. from being a player in the NFL to whatever the next walk of life is, it's difficult. You've pretty much made a seamless transition to coaching, but was that transition pretty tough at first? No, not at all. Uh, not for me. Um, and, you know, part of that transition was, was Coach Kiffin, honestly. You know, as a player, I used to, to joke with him about, hey, man, when you become a head coach, make sure you save a job for me. And um, a lot of the stuff that I learned in our wide receiver meetings kind of helped prepare me uh, for my opportunities in coaching. And obviously, um, he actually gave me my first start in coaching at USC as a grad assistant in 2010. And uh, so, you know, that's that's kind of like you know, my start and, and, and my situation with him. And, um, you know, it's been it's been fun over the years, and, and uh, I've learned a lot. What's it like to be back home as the wide receivers coach at USC? It's got to be special to you. That's where you played. Yeah, exactly. It is. And, you know, I hold it near and dear to my heart uh, as alumni and uh, as a former player and being from Southern California, um, you know, it really means something to me. You know, I'm not I'm not here just collecting a paycheck. You know, I'm, I'm here trying to really help and, and mentor these young men to, to help them uh, earn their degrees and, and, and help them see their their dreams and try to, you know, lead USC back to a national championship. Well, one of the last things, how has the game changed? As far as when you were playing back, now it's 2004, you know, around the mid-2000s to now. How has it really evolved, has the game, over the course of the last handful of years? Uh, I mean, you know, I think a lot more teams throw it around more, you know. Uh, oh, you'd no love huddle, that, Kerry. Spread, yeah, spread offenses and stuff like that. I mean, I think that's a, that's a way that it's changed. But, 
Um, you know, these kids have to deal with a whole uh, lot of distractions, social media and all kind of stuff that we didn't have back in the day. So um, it's, it's changed. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot more pressure on these kids nowadays just because of social media and stuff. But, you know, I just think from a, from a football standpoint, you know, how, how spread open, how spread, you know, open these, these offenses are and how much they throw it around. And, uh, you know, it's a different game. From a coaching standpoint, what are y'all approaching the season as, as far as expectations are concerned for USC? Well, it's always, it always starts with a Pac-12 championship. Um, that's always the goal every year. Um, and once you, you know, you, 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 you can get into that game and you win a Pac-12 championship, that'll put you in position to do other things, you know, whether that's getting to a playoff or, uh, you know, getting into a, you know, a, a big time bowl game. So, you know, first things first for us is, is uh, to win the Pac-12. And then, you know, uh, the next step after that, we'll, 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 we'll take it as it comes. He's Kerry Colbert, all-time USC wide receiver. Great. Played eight seasons in the NFL, drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Thank you for spending some time with me, man. I appreciate it, and we'll talk again. All right, thank you. No problem. That was Kerry Colbert, USC wide receivers coach. All-time Trojan great. Talking Lane Kiffin. Nothing but good things to say about Lane Kiffin. Credits him with a lot of not only his playing career, but his coaching career, too. Kerry joined us on the Modern Women phone line. Before we get back to Colin Brister here on Talk of Champions, let's hear from BNA Bank and Modern Women. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. All right, Colin, Ole Miss baseball open practices yesterday. It's the first time since fall ball that coaches could get their hands on the players. The rotation's pretty well settled. You know it's going to be Doug Nikhazy, Gunnar Hoagland, probably, most likely, Derek Diamond. In the infield and outfield, pretty well settled, too. The bullpen, though, is most interesting. Carl Lafferty saying last week that it's the most up in the air as far as what the roles that certain players will fill. We know Austin Miller's back and could be a bullpen ace again. He's versatile. They value that versatility. Can be a long reliever, spot starter, closer, doesn't matter. He can fill pretty much any other role. So Taylor Broadway potentially stepping in for Parker Caracci, that might be an option. Tyler Myers, he flashed a lot last year. He could be a late-inning option. What do you think about the bullpen right now? I've been vocal about this. I don't agree with some of the stuff Mike Yanko does, but I think he actually, I think this is one of his stronger suits. I think he's very good 
um, about not holding guys like he's used Parker Crazy in spots that where normally you don't use your closer. He's a guy that's versatile and, and uses his bullpen a lot of different ways. And he's not going to be the guy that I, my closer throws the ninth inning because my closer throws the ninth inning. So he's got a lot of options to do a lot of different things. I think we both believe that Greer Holston is going to have a pretty good bounce back season. Austin Miller was dominant last year with that uh, over the top curveball. I think Taylor Broadway's got a chance to be really, really good. It was his first year uh, pitching full-time last year. He could throw the hell out of it last year. He was 92-93. I think he's added some velo. I think this bullpen's got a chance to be able, if Gunnar Hoagland and Doug Nikhazy and uh, Derek Diamond can consistently give them five or six innings, I think this bullpen's got a chance to be pretty good and pretty salty on the back end. Other options include Braden Forsyth and Wes Burton, two newcomers, some left-handers, Jackson Kimbrell, Ben Gilbert. Who of those newcomers most interests you? Mine's Wes Burton. I like the size, the pitching plane. I think he's like 6'7". That ball comes and gets on you quickly. Wes Burton, I think, could be a starter. So if you look at it, bullpen options from the left side, Kimbrell and Gilbert, Gilbert also an outfielder, they're going to contribute in some way. Braden Forsyth, he's going to be a bullpen guy. But Wes Burton, I think, has got the most upside for this year of any of those newcomers. I'll say Forsyth with a second being Gilbert or uh, Kimbrell because, frankly, they don't have any left-handers outside of Nikhazy in the bullpen. Uh, and obviously, Nikhazy's not in the bullpen. But I, I've heard some really good things about Forsyth. I think uh, there's some untapped potential there. He's got some good run on his fastball. The fastball sits in the mid-90s. I think he's a guy that there's a chance he's your midweek starter. He's your number four guy. Um, but I, I really think that that kid's got a chance to – to put a pretty good season together. He had a good year last year at Meridian, so I, I'm kind of interested to see him. These next three weeks are most important for who? Ooh. Um, the first thing that popped in my mind was Tim Elko, and, but I don't think that's right because Tim Elko has hit very well over two spring practices in a row, so I don't really think what he does over the next three weeks matters for him. It matters what uh, he does in the middle of February. Man, I can make a really good argument it's for Hayden Dunhurst, right? or I guess Knox LaPosser on that same hand. I think the person that wins that catching job uh, and is a star on opening day, I don't I don't really see them losing it. So whoever uh, wants to win that catching job, I would argue it's probably biggest for them. Hayden Dunhurst is going to be a starting catcher. I think I agree, yeah. yeah. Knox LaPosser is a good veteran backup. He can also DH, maybe play first base in a pinch. You want him as a bench option. Hayden Dunhurst is the lottery ticket. He's the guy that you want to bet on. Because you look at the potential, not only defensively is he capable already, but the bat, if he taps into it, it can play. If the bat comes along, I mean, he's a first-rounder two years from now. I mean, he's Cooper Johnson with a little bit more polished plate approach, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Now, he's not defensively Cooper Johnson. Right. But he's not that far off. He can throw the heck out of it. Yeah. And that's what Cooper could do. I love Hayden Dunhurst. (laughs) I'm reticent to make any predictions about newcomers. I've gotten in trouble yeah. with that to where every guy I picked as being a breakout candidate was spectacularly bad in football, not baseball, but in football. <laughs> so I don't want to do that anymore. Like in basketball, if you'd asked me before the year, who's going to be dominant of the newcomers? Oh, Hadim C, blah, 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 blah. And now Hadim C, we don't even know if he's going to be on the roster next year. And that's purely <laughs> my own speculation. But when you get left at home for a critical game at Florida because of attitude and body language, not because of injury, that is bad. What that does is spell potential disaster ultimately for you. Yeah, man. You're 0-3 and Kermit doesn't even want to take you to Gainesville and you're a starter. It's not a great sign for you, bro. And I want people to understand this. K.J. Buffin is better at the 5 than any other position. Yeah. Hadim can't play the 4. K.J. plays the 5. Yeah. He's too small. He's 6'7", 6'8". 
but he plays bigger down there than he does at the four because he won't shoot threes. He just refuses to do it. I don't know how we've gone from baseball to basketball so quickly, but the Hadim C <laughs> situation has quickly become the story of the year because now it's all about development, about next year's roster. Austin Crowley, he's going to be back. Of course he's going to be back. He's going to be a great player in time. He got the flu in December, was up to 190, had put in all that work, gets the flu, loses 20 pounds, falls to 170. He was already struggling with physicality. He needs a full another offseason to get back in shape, to get that weight gain back. But he's now dealing with the same body he arrived with after doing all that work because he got the flu. Sammy Hunter's going to be a good player. He got here late. He enrolled late. But this year, it's a wash. It's a complete wash. It's a lost year. To be honest, yeah. Sammy Hunter needed to redshirt, but they couldn't redshirt him. Sean Robinson's going to be out of the redshirt year going into next year. Jarkel Joyner, same thing. This roster is going to look different. Getting the right mix is going to be the most important thing for Kermit Davis. This is the harsh truth of it all. I'm ranting now, but this is the harsh truth of it all. The roster and talent that Kermit Davis inherited from Andy Kennedy wasn't good. They overachieved. They went to the NCAA tournament last year and put Ole Miss ahead of schedule. So expectations were naturally sky high from Ole Miss fans for Ole Miss to be good this year. The harsh truth is that Ole Miss was always going to go through at least one year of adjustment. None of us expected it to be this year, but the pieces just haven't meshed together. Recruiting can be a crapshoot. So sometimes it just doesn't work. It just doesn't fit. This year just hasn't worked. It hasn't fit. So now you're looking ahead to next year's roster. And that one-year adjustment period, it happened. Now can Kermit Davis get the right mix of guys? I think he's going to trim the fat. Carlos Curry, Franco Miller, you're on notice. And now Hadim C, which before the year, never would have predicted that. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do it like this. What? Uh, look, this team's not making the NCAA tournament. This team's probably not even going to be contention for the NIT. What constitutes a success for the rest of the season for Ole Miss basketball? Not to be an embarrassment. <laughs> six wins, six and 12. That's not an embarrassment, I wouldn't say. If you win five league games, that might be enough. Right okay. now projected, I think, by Ken Palm to go 14 and 19 or whatever it is. 14 wins overall. That wouldn't be a complete embarrassment. It would be colossally disappointing, but it wouldn't be an embarrassment. Win Case, assistant Ole Miss basketball coach, came on this podcast in the summer and said that the expectation with this team was the Sweet 16. But you cannot project how teams are going to ultimately play until you put them on the floor together and see how they mesh together. You and I agree, Brian Tyree does not make players better. I like Brian. He's a good player. One of the most accomplished players statistically in school history. He doesn't make players better. There's no reason why Devontae Shuler, even with an injury he's been battling, I think with the foot, don't hold me to that. There's no reason why Devontae and Brian, having played together for this long, shouldn't be more in sync, but they're not. You shouldn't have to rely on Blake Kinson to be your only outside perimeter shooter, not named Brian Tyree. And Blake Kinson, why are you not doing other aspects of your game better? Why are you not a better rebounder? He got double-digit rebounds against Florida. That was the Blake you want to see moving forward. That's why not having Brian, not having Hadeem was good for Ole Miss because you're not making the NCAA tournament. It's pointless to have the conversation. So Blake having to do that was good. He had 13 points in the first half, only three in the second half. Blake needs a year of development too. He hasn't had to focus strictly on what he needs to be or what he needs to do to be better since he got here. He's been a specialty player. He's got to be a better all-around player. If you don't have those guys on the floor, that's going to force Blake to do those things. Rebound the ball. Keep the ball moving. Don't let the ball stick with you like it does with Brienne. 
Create for others. K.J. Buffin, don't get into foul trouble every single game. Stop reaching. Stop grabbing. Stop getting texts. Stop talking to the officials. Stop bitching and moaning. Austin Crowley, be engaged defensively. You're capable. You can shoot. Finish around the rim. Be strong going to the rim. Sammy Hunter, rebound the ball. Those guys need to play. The only way they can get better and project forward for next year is to play. I'm not convinced that DMC isn't one and done. It is a bad, bad sign when you are left at home because of attitude and body language. And after the game, after they lose to Florida, I'm listening to Kermit Davis on the Ole Miss IMG network with David Kellum and Mark Dukes. He's completely noncommittal on Hadim C. That's telling. The impetus is on the kid now to get things right, yeah, to get his yeah. mind right. What that tells me is uh, that's not the first time they've had an issue with Hadim C. Like, right. you, you don't get that upset and suspended uh, just because this happened one time. Anyway, enough about Ole Miss basketball. <laughs> no point in talking about it right now. Ole Miss baseball, you're still bullish on them, right? Yeah, I think they host a regional. I've, I've said I think they're a 14 to 16 seed. Uh, they host, and you know, I'm not going to say, look, I'm not going to project the postseason in, in freaking uh, January, but yeah, I, I think there's baseball in Swayze uh, this June. The top Ole Miss story you're paying attention to this weekend is what? Um, well, I'm a baseball nerd, so uh, there's baseball scrimmages that for me because I don't really expect this coaching search to or the coaching staff to be uh, filled this weekend. So, I mean, look, I'm a baseball nut, so I'm, I'm going to say baseball practice. But, you know, I, I completely understand that uh, people might disagree with that. Baseball inner squads start January 24th, but they're going to be scrimmaging and Having guys out there doing drills, the coaches can finally get their hands back on them. The top Ole Miss story for me this weekend is the first official visit weekend since the break. Demon Clowney, four-star defensive end, is coming in. Wayne Dorsey, former Ole Miss player, his coach up in Maryland, is supposed to be coming with him. Isaiah Dunson, a four-star cornerback, he's coming in too. And also Darren Branch, another cornerback, three-star, he's coming in. I don't know the entire visit list right now. No one does. That should become clearer later today, if not tomorrow. Certainly by tomorrow. But this is when it starts. You land two of those three guys. Yeah. You're cooking. You're cooking with gas. I think DeMond Clowney is ultimately going to end up being an Ole Miss Rebel. But you need those kind of guys. I don't know if DeMond Clowney is an instant impact defensive lineman. I don't care, though. You need bodies, talented bodies to step in and play. And we've seen Ole Miss have success with first-year defensive ends. Greg Hardy, Marcus Tillman. There are times in which you've seen a player come in and be good from day one. Maybe DeMond Clowney is one of those guys. I would like to have him on campus to see if he is one. Better to have him and have that option or have that choice or have that problem than to not have him at all. Ole Miss needs bodies. It's funny. We, we, we did say quarterbacks can mask a lot, and they can. But, you know, there's there's ways to mask good uh, or not good quarterback play. Like, you can you can do scheme and do different things to, to hide a not great quarterback. If your defensive line sucks, there's not much you can do. That's where it all starts. But if you're the Darius Cox, you're 6'5", 331, and you're wearing number seven. That means they think you're good. If they didn't think you were good, they wouldn't give you a good number. You're going to wear seven. You're going to come in here and claim seven. Damn it, you better play. Yeah. Oh, boy. Wearing seven. Something better give. Yeah, Brandon Mack. You're an outside linebacker. You're 6'4", 234. You're wearing four. So you better play. You better be good. That means the staff thought you were good. I had a coach tell me that one time. In recruiting, these kids care about their numbers. If you think a kid's yeah. really good and he says, I'll come, but I got to have this number. Shea Hodge was devastated, almost transferred from Ole Miss because he desperately wanted number three. And he was wearing number 80, and he wore it his first year. They talked him into it, but in spring, they still had him wearing 80. And he was leaving. He left. He packed his bags and went home. 
They brought him back because they gave him three. Numbers matter to these kids. So if they give you a small number, a low number, four, seven, like Cox and uh, Mac, they think you're good. They want to keep you happy. Now you got to do your part and be good. You got to produce. <laughs> Sam Williams, Northeast Mississippi Community College. He was a weak side defensive end. There we go. He was listed at 6'5", 260 at Northeast. And shockingly, 251 at Ole Miss. <laughs> Nine games played at Northeast his last year. 75 tackles. 17 and a half sacks. He can do it. He can do it. Sure. He can do it. Yeah. It's been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. Subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Also available in Spotify and SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Right for the Ole Miss Spirit. OleMissSpirit.com and a foot of 247 Sports. Thanks, bud. Absolutely. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit score grows, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Bill Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC, out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.